0: Before we start this episode, just a heads up that we discuss eating disorders and body image issues. If you or someone you know needs support, contact the Butterfly Foundation on 1-800-3346-73 or butterfly.org.au.
1: After you know, decades of trying every fad diet and over-exercising myself way too much and then you know i'd start a program and it would last two days or two weeks or whatever finally i was able to implement regular exercise for the very first time in my adult life and looking back it was truly because for the very first time i was exercising out of an effort to help my body heal instead of out of hate for my
0: body from women's health australia this is uninterrupted a podcast where we share honest and inspiring conversations so that you can live a healthier, more empowered life. I'm Editor in Chief Lisa Gebelagin. There are only a handful of trainers who can claim a following like Kelsey Wells. You may even be one of her 2.4 million followers on Instagram. Well, this year, Kelsey launched a program on the Sweat app called Redefine Fitness, Strength and Mindfulness. Now, I assumed that the program was based on the premise that strength training could be a form of moving meditation, kind of like yoga, because that's been my own experience of it. But when I spoke to Kelsey while she was in Sydney recently... Her explanation took our conversation to a very different place. In this episode, we talk about the importance of redefining the term fitness, why ditching the scales was really important to her mental health, but still allowed her to hit her fitness goals, and how giving up and starting again is key to success. Well, first off, I wanted to talk about your redefined Fitness, Strength and Mindfulness program that you launched this year on Sweat. Yeah, I really love this combination because I found that when I first started lifting weights, I realized how meditative lifting was. And not only because you had to be so present and make sure you're correct to minimize injuries but also with the way that you breathe with the movements so I was wondering is this something that you relate to and was this kind of where the idea to combine mindfulness and strength in a program came from? Yeah so yes and
1: no so yes it is absolutely something that I relate to that is such a kind of transcendental like piece of Lifting, And I've definitely experienced that. However, that is not where the program or the concept for the program came from. It was really kind of heavy, if I'm being really honest. I think it's an unfortunate truth that the way that fitness has been packaged and sold primarily to women over the last really decades is quite toxic overall. And I know I'm not alone in the fact that I grew up internalizing a lot of those unhealthy lies. really. And I... As a fitness professional and as a woman who has been through a lot and really had a full transformation, not just with my physical health and well being, but most importantly with my mental and emotional health and well being, I just feel like, especially coming out of the pandemic, we can no longer afford to allow our efforts in fitness and nutrition to be detrimental to our mental health. And fitness is, of course, about caring for our health, or it should be at a very base level, right? Yeah. But unfortunately for so many women, it's just not the case. And usually that's completely not intentional, right? I mean, I used to exercise out of pure negativity, and it wasn't really, I feel, a choice I ever made. I think I... I exercised, I thought it was the ultimate chore. I exercised out of hate for my body. I exercised to punish myself. And even when I felt like I had grown from those things, I was still exercising out of pure aesthetics for a time. And it was very much, it wasn't healthy for me mentally. And our mental health really does matter the very most. And so Redefine Fitness was really born from kind of twofold. It was on the one hand, as a fitness professional, I had always spoken in my career about how we need to reclaim exercise as the tool for self empowerment that it was always meant to be and that, you know, movement is intrinsic in life and exercise should have never been this negative thing, and we need to do it out of love for our bodies or at very least respect for our bodies. But I was asked and mostly throughout the pandemic, I was asked really poignantly and directly, like, Okay, that's fine, but how? Yeah how do you make that shift it's a huge shift to make and like where do you even start because that sounds great but that's not what it is for me and so how and i really you know took a long hard look at myself and my journey and identified it was kind of a blend of the mindfulness practices and the very proven positive psychology techniques and the i kind of identified the actual literal tools that are tangible That helped me to make this shift. Some that I implemented intentionally and some that I just kind of happened upon. And that is what Redefined Fitness is. It is truly a blend of mental awareness and intention and mindfulness blended with strength training and the kick ass strength training, weightlifting programs and workouts that I'm known for. And that, you see that combination. I mean, that's not new to physical movement, right? That's in the martial arts. That's in yoga. It's in incorporated more into Pilates, but you don't really see that in weight training. And I lift weights. Like that's what I do. And that's the workouts I write. And I wanted to meet my community exactly where they're at and be like, Hey, I hear you and I get it. And this is how, and I can show you how, and I can guide you how. And so that's kind of how, um, it kind of came to be.
0: That is awesome. Cause one of my questions for you was going to be, how? (laughs) How did you find that for yourself? Basically, it's in the program. My next question is, what was that turning point for you then in your own life where you turned away from the aesthetic goal in fitness to something that was more meaningful for you? So for me, it was
1: actually, it really did start with a moment, a very clear moment. And I think that's unique, but I was postpartum, I talk about this very openly. I'm a huge advocate for destigmatizing mental health in general, and especially postpartum depression and anxiety, which I experienced very deeply firsthand and which is so common and prevalent. And I do want to say to any woman or mother out there who is feeling that or in that in any sense to any level, understand that it's normal, understand you're not broken, you're not alone, you are strong. And there's so much beauty and bravery in seeking the help that you need and deserve. And you don't have to go that alone. So that aside, um, I was in this tough, tough place in my life. And my son was probably four-ish months old. And looking back, I think hindsight is twenty twenty, 20 and, and I can really sum up what happened by saying that after you know decades of trying every fad diet and over-exercising myself, way too much. And then, you know, I'd start a program and it would last two days or two weeks or whatever. Finally, at 25 years old, I was able to implement regular exercise for the very first time in my adult life. And looking back, it was truly because for the very first time I was exercising out of an effort to help my body heal instead of out of hate for my body. And that made all the difference. And there was this workout, and I remember doing this session. And I was, um, Anderson was asleep. I had no music. I didn't have headphones and didn't want to wake him up. And I borrowed a yoga mat for my mom, and it was in the corner of our basement apartment. And I had downloaded this bodyweight workout, and it just looked so simple and easy. And I started the session, and I couldn't do a sit up, and I couldn't do a push up. And I did two lunges, and I was out of breath. And I remember sitting on this mat and just trying to silently sob. And I just felt so aware of where I was and so far from where I wanted to be and so far from how I remembered my body moving and functioning. And it was like this awareness settled over me, but for the first time without the shame that I'd always piled on afterwards. And that is that this is where I am physically. This is my physical ability. It's very clear. Nobody can fix this for me. I can't buy it to be better. I can't, you know, like this is only going to change if I take care of myself. And if I choose to put in the work little by little every day over time, Mm -hmm. and it's going to take time and it's going to take work. And I committed in that moment that I would do that. And at the same time, it was like this metaphor became so clear in my head. It was like, it's the exact same with my mental health and not just my mental health as, as with the Physiological anxiety I was experiencing, but with my emotional well being and the extremely unhealthy way that I viewed myself and treated my body. And I realized this is where I am, and it's not healthy and it's not okay. And I realized I didn't want my son to grow up seeing me hate myself. Yeah. And so I just decided, you know what? It's not something you can flip a switch and change. You can't just decide to love yourself, but it's the same as physical fitness. I'm just going to try. And I committed to trying just little by little, day after day. And there was a lot of things that came with that. You know, there was a lot of, there's so many resources for someone in this position, right? There's therapy, there's medications, there's meditation, there's movement. There's a lot of tools available to us to help us become healthier and take care of ourselves. And everyone's journey is going to look different. But it is about understanding that if you're at a place in life where you are not healthy or where you want to be, with the way you treat and view yourself, with your mind, with your body, it may not be your fault. And I really think I can confidently say that for most women who are struggling with insecurities or feeling like their internal dialogue is negative, that is not your fault. You have been inundated with that since you were a child, but it is your responsibility Mm. and you can make a change. And you can remember that that's not your inner voice, like that's not who you are. That's not where you came from. And you can shift and grow. And it's like, if I would have, if someone would have told me then, which was only like seven and a half years ago, that there would be a day where I wake up and I don't automatically and intrinsically start beating myself up and feeling down. And I'm not just talking about the mental health aspect right now, I'm talking about like my self-image, right? Yeah. If you would have told me like, one day you will have confidence in who you are. One day you will not compare yourself to everyone you see. I don't think I would have believed you, mm-hmm. but it's possible and, and it's not overnight, but it, it does shift when you get intentional about it.
0: One thing that you just said then that I think is really powerful is letting go of the shame and being okay with where you are in the moment and knowing that what you're doing is going to get you to where you want to go. Is this something that you learned in other aspects of your life or is there someone around you who really exemplified that for you?
1: My husband. Hmm. I mean, I'm so grateful. To be honest, I didn't, he didn't know the extent of my suffering. I was very, very much ashamed of. My mental health struggles, which is again why I try to destigmatize that now, I didn't understand how normal it was, the ways that I was struggling. I felt very broken, I felt very ashamed. you know, I felt like you hear about this magical newborn motherhood love bubble and to have be experiencing quite the opposite of that, I felt very shameful. And my husband didn't really understand the full extent of how bad it was. However, he always throughout every piece of my journey and as I would try to take care of myself and my health, like he was the one that would help me in any way that he could. I mean, one of the tangible tools that I used in the very beginning when I decided I needed to look at myself more kindly, he would call me out. You know, he, it was his idea. He's like, every single time I hear you say something bad about yourself, he would stop me. And he would make me say three things that I liked about myself or that were good about me. And they started out and they had nothing to do with my appearance because I couldn't find any. But we would wait and we would redirect those thoughts. And he was very literal with helping me do that. Um, that's just one of many examples. So I'm so grateful for his support on my journey. and I um, It was huge. It was huge for me.
0: If there's anyone listening right now who might being in the same place you were seven years ago. Could you give me that example of the kind of thoughts that you were internalizing at that time compared to the kind of thoughts that you think of on a daily basis about yourself now? Yeah, I mean, I think,
1: you know, the poison of comparison was just so normal. I would compare myself to anyone I saw in real life on TV, my friends, my family, and always figure out ways to um, feel like I'm, however I was, wasn't enough. Certainly the beauty standards um, in magazines, on TV, on, you know, when social media started coming around, it was just a constant cycle of beating myself up and putting myself down and thinking that I would be happy when, Mm. and that I could be happy if, if I, if my body changed a certain way, then I could wear that, or then I could feel good, or then I could be confident. And And it's interesting because before I had ever met my husband, I used to think the same things. I thought, oh, if I had a boyfriend or if I had someone who really, truly loved me in a beautiful, healthy way, then I would feel good about myself. Then I could see myself. And that's not how it works. And it's a very personal thing, right? Like I would give anything for, you think about like your mom or your sister your very best friend. And it's like, how magical and beautiful would it be if they could just see themselves how you see them? But we can't, we can't give that to each other. And that's why it's so important that we give that love to ourselves. And we begin there. And self love has become kind of a fluffy woo woo thing, but it's not. Self love is not pretty. It looks like doing the really hard, really heavy things and feeling your thoughts and feelings and understanding that they're okay, no matter what they are. And it looks like putting in the work to take care of yourself, even if you don't feel like you're worthy, because you know that you are, and you're reminding yourself of your worth through the way that you live. And it's about that intention. And so, you know, those thoughts, negativity, comparison, just constantly putting myself down, like that was my normal. And now, you know, you ask for examples of some of my thoughts now that are normal, and it's really the most beautiful part about it, is I feel like I think about myself a lot less. And that might sound weird, but it's like I'm not my hugest measure of growth or something I'm so exceptionally grateful for and proud of is that like I no longer wake up and hop in the mirror and and beat myself up. But I also don't hop in the mirror and like praise myself necessarily. I just, I'm grateful for my body. It carries me literally through every single day. I'm gonna take care of it. I can feel beautiful and sexy and strong. And it's not, you know... Two of my favorite affirmations are my body is a miracle and I am more than my body. And I always use those together. I love that. But I think the growth that I see in myself isn't necessarily that I have this flood of thoughts that's like I am strong and powerful. Yes, those are affirmations I do use, but it's more of like when I really started to believe those things, I started to center myself, my physical appearance and thinking about myself less in general, if that makes sense.
0: It makes a lot of sense and such a weird coincidence like you talking about trying to find happiness in like you you could not finding it in relationships, etc. This is exactly what I was just writing about in my editor's letter today about when I was younger, I was looking for happiness in all the wrong places, like trying to find it through relationships, trying to find it through jobs and just never really finding not feeling content in myself until I connected to what actually made me happy rather than this idea I had of what society thought I needed to be happy. And that's why I really connect with what you say. And I do remember this one point, this is a long, long time ago, um, I was thinking about an ex and thinking about how a relationship didn't work out because he never loved me enough to put me first. And then I thought, holy shit, I never loved me enough to put me first. And for me, that moment was when I was like, wow, OK, like when you talk about, you know, you're doing those actions to just it kind of reinforces to you that you are important enough to take care of yourself.
1: Yes, that's so beautiful. And it's so true. I always say this, but self-love is not selfish. It's so easy, I think, for society to to say, oh, you know, she's conceited if she's confident. It couldn't be further from the truth, right? And I think the more we start to experience that ourselves, the more we start to embrace each other as women and remember that another success in no way could ever take away from your own and that women in their power, there's nothing stronger than a woman in her power except women standing together in their power. And I think it needs to begin with each of us on that individual level, you know?
0: When you talked about earlier about always comparing and how social media, it's kind of a part of that, like you can easily get caught up in that comparison on social media. Have you made it so that with your own socials that you are still promoting this message of health and fitness, not being aesthetics on such a visual medium?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been a journey, you know? And I think... I haven't always been perfect. And I really love Maya Angelou. When you know better, you do better. And I strive to do that. And the more I learn and grow, I change the way I do things and speak to things. And some things have remained the same and some things have changed. And I'm proud of that growth. But I think overall, it's it's interesting because before I started this social media account and just turned into what it is now, I actually uh, was... Um, I had grounded myself from Instagram. I had... Part of that journey, I'd realized, you know, postpartum that it was exceptionally toxic for me. It was not doing anything good for the journey that I was on. And I even told my husband to be accountable. Like, I'm not going to do this Instagram thing. I'm not going to do it. And so I wasn't. And then it was about a year after my personal fitness journey that I decided to begin um, a fitness account. Back then it was kind of like, you know, people would have, or women often had like their normal personal account. And then they also had like a fitness account. And I saw that this whole world was there and I was going through some really difficult things in my personal life at the time. And I felt like I had grown so much and I was proud of that growth, but I didn't have a lot of friends or support in like real life. Right. And I felt like I'm going to go on and I'm going to be that support and be that friend that would have really changed the game for me when I was in the beginning of this, or I want to connect with I wanted I desperately wanted a safe space to connect with like-minded women, to meet friends and it was truly that for me and everything kind of grew, I mean, very quickly and organically and I almost deleted my account a couple times because of that to be honest, but I never could have foreseen or thought it would ever be like this. But now, you know, long to your point, it's like I vowed when I started that second account, which is my page now. I told my husband, "Look, I will only and always post on this authentically. And if the day comes that I am not, I delete it. And if the day comes that this becomes a comparison fest and I am absorbing negativity or feeling negative or contributing negatively in a way that I can identify, then it's over. And for me, it hasn't really changed. I mean, if I'm talking to 12 women or three million women, I don't care. I write and I speak pretty much the same way. And I I think that the reason that you know things went the way they did in great part was because I didn't get on and like I was just really real. I'm like, look, I went through this. So many of us go through this. Like, can we just talk about this? You know, it's we as women have so much more in common than we realize. And I think vulnerability brings connection and connection brings healing. And that's I think the way my platform has grown and that's the space where I always try to stay. So in short life is what you make it. And I think social media is the same. And if you're in a place right now, if you're listening and you're getting onto your Instagram and you're scrolling and you're feeling worse about yourself when you get off than when you got on, then take accountability of that. Have the awareness. Don't shame yourself, but take a break. Unfollow every single account that makes you feel less than. I don't care if that's me because it's actually not on that creator it is on you how we see and internalize things and so we are up it's up to us to safeguard ourselves and our space and there's so much positivity and beauty and connection and good in social media and so seek it out and create that safe space for yourself and and it's on each of us to do that
0: now you're also quite famous for ditching the scales yes <laughs> yeah and instead you say measuring your progress on how you feel now i think for many people listening that idea sounds great, but they're not exactly sure how that works. So I was wondering if you could explain how how it works and how it could work for them. I really think it's so
1: cool that you've asked about this because I haven't talked about this in years, you know, and I put myself back um, to the place that I was when I went on that first initial rant, you know, about <laughs> the scale. And yeah, It was very much not like, hey, I know this, like, listen to me, just, I've got this figured out. It was very much like I was in a very real struggle. And I had this epiphany of, like, whoa, wait a second. Actually, no, screw the scale. Like, that doesn't, I had such um, an unhealthy relationship. It's like I would step on the scale and whatever number I saw would actually dictate my mood for the day. Mm. And again, it goes back to that whole thing. is our effort or our habits and exercise and fitness and nutrition, are they helping our mental health or are they detrimental to it? And that was a huge red flag. And so I shared that from a place where I was like very much still in the trenches with it. And it's something that I went to immediately put into practice. And I actually did physically throw away every scale that we owned. Haven't bought another one since it's been, I don't know, maybe six years now. Um, And it's interesting because when I say measure your progress on how you feel, I love that you brought that back up because I would like to just maybe reword that. And I think it's more like, I think we need to understand that our progress in a sense of health and wellness is a bit immeasurable because it's definitely not tied to a number on the scale. It's definitely not tied to the size of, you know, size on your jeans or on your tag of clothes. It's not tied to how many burpees we can do. I mean, there are ways to measure your strength progress. And that's great. And that's fun. But on a really macro level, if we're talking about overall fitness and growth and health, that is tied to your humanity and being alive. And you cannot fail your fitness journey because if you're alive, you're on it, you're in it and it is ebbs and it flows. And there's going to be times in life where you are exercising really regularly And that's wonderful. And then there's times in your life where maybe you don't exercise for months. I mean, I just broke my ankle. I couldn't physically exercise for a very long time. I never saw that coming. Did that mean I was unhealthy? Absolutely not. By my old definition, it sure would have. So it's more about understanding that progress means that you are caring for yourself and your health. Progress means that you are aware of what that really means that you have alleviated the pressure of checking all of the boxes and jumping through all the hoops and look at this as like, you know what, how am I going to care for myself and my health today? I'm going to do one thing. Maybe that's exercise. Maybe that's meditation. Maybe it's both great. Maybe some days it's none, but on the days that it's none, are you going to feel guilt for that? That's not healthy, right? It's a learning journey. It's so much more tied to just being alive than we realize. And I think if we can stop compartmentalizing Our physical fitness and our exercise routine and the way that we eat and just look take a step back it just alleviates all that pressure and I hope I hope that this makes sense but I feel like it's more about growth than it is about tangible measurable progress that should be the focus
0: do you have any like red flags that you know hey I feel like I might be going the wrong way and here's what I need to do to make sure that I'm refocused and not getting back into those old habits and old beliefs?
1: Yeah, it's interesting you asked this. So I feel like with the pandemic, um, so many of us have seen old struggles come back around, right? So many things that I thought that I'd healed from or that I'd grown past or that I dealt with, they've just come right back around for me to deal with them again. And at first that caused a lot of struggle for me, especially in my position. I, I felt a lot of shame, um, worry. I felt weak, but this was a huge focus for me, especially the last 18 months is helping women understand that thriving and struggling are not mutually exclusive. Mm. And just because you're struggling with something, it does not mean you've went backwards. It does not mean you failed. It does not mean you're weak or broken at all. It is just part of life. And I think that's been one of the places that I've seen the growth the most. You ask, you know, what red flags do I see? And I think for me, it actually wouldn't be very healthy for me to focus on a red flag. It's more like when the things that would be perceived as red flags come up, like negative thoughts about my body or like toxic eating patterns that I just start to gravitate towards, or I think in my head, like, oh, I'm going to do this instead of being like, oh, that's a red flag. I think, oh, wow, that's something I used to struggle with. And this is a thought I'm having right now. And the difference there is like before it would have sent me into a panic of shame, which is also a negative thing that doesn't serve us. But now I think, you know what? I am stronger now than when I struggled with that the last time. And I'm going to let myself feel what I'm feeling. But then I get to decide the action that I take from here and the direction that I go. And I now understand that progress is dictated on our direction. It is not about perfection. And so instead of worrying and tallying up my red flags, it's more like making sure that the direction I'm going is on track with where I want to be. And I know that I'm going to have massive struggles all along the way, but it doesn't matter because those struggles have brought me some of my biggest blessings, honestly. And and I've seen and has shown me some of my biggest growth.
0: It's a really good point you make there because I think that some people might feel like if they are going through a stage where they're struggling, it automatically means failure. But like you said, struggling can also coincide with thriving. And it's in those times for me now when I think, oh shit, I'm, there's this a uh, big challenge coming up or I don't feel like I'm quite Doing the exactly what I want to be doing. I just know like, hey, this is a growth period. It's cool. No need to freak out. We're we're, we're actually going, we're moving to a different stage, and that's okay.
1: And that's huge. Mm. And I say I think I love that you brought up the challenges because in the fitness industry that's big. You know, at Sweat we have our big New Year's challenge. We usually have a mid mid year challenge. And it's always it's so important to bring up like fitness journeys in general are so individual, but I come at everything and I encourage my community to come at everything with that thought of mental health first. So it's like a challenge with the mindset that you just said, that is so incredibly healthy. And I feel the same way. A challenge is an opportunity to grow. It's no big deal if I don't nail it the way that I want to. I understand that my goals won't be perfect. It's fine. But years ago, a challenge could have been quite a toxic thing for me because I really would have felt horrible and beat myself up if I wasn't exactly how I was meant to be or thought I was meant to be. And you know what I'm saying? So it's really how we view things and our perspective Mm -hmm. that is the most formative force in our life and also in our fitness journeys, because what is right and best and healthy for one might be not for another. And it really comes back to that individual perspective that we have. And that's where the growth and the biggest potential for growth lies.
0: Now, you mentioned meditating in one of your answers. Is this a practice that you do regularly?
1: Yes. I mean, I said for years that exercise was the most formative tool that I used to care for my well-being, including my mental well-being. And now, honestly, through the last three years, predominantly, meditation has really kind of taken that first place spot. I'll put it like this. If I have an hour, I will meditate before I exercise. I really feel like it has even in my physical health helped me more than anything else.
0: Is there a certain kind of me- meditation that you tried that really it just changed everything?
1: Um, yes and no. you know, I began with just silent, self-guided. I sat in silence for five minutes, which at first was so almost impossible and painful to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I began studying. I kind of poured myself into it. I was very interested. I actually took the entire meditation teacher certification course through the Chopra Center and studied with um, at the Deepak Chopra Center. And I learned so much about that. And he he uses um, primordial sound meditation, which is a form of transcendental meditation. And that is such a beautiful tradition. And I have so much love and respect for that. But ultimately, I feel it is just so much like every other piece of your fitness journey. It's, it's individual. And there are so many right ways to have those benefits. And I've practiced different types of meditation and found beauty in all of them. And I kind of um, use a blend, honestly, for myself now. So I think it's, it's less about finding the one best way and finding what works for you.
0: Because a lot of people I've spoken to, um, it seems like kind of like with fitness, like you don't necessarily commit to looking after your fitness until you kind of find that thing that kind of that really resonates with you. It sounds like the same goes for meditation. Like some people like sound meditation, some people like breathing, some people like chanting and it's not until they try different things that they come across something that, you know, that they feel like they can actually stick to. Beautiful. Absolutely.
1: And you know what, that might ebb and flow, right? What might the form of fitness you might use or the, form, the way you prefer to meditate might be one thing during one phase of life and then another during another. And I think it, it will grow and change and shift as you do.
0: Exactly. And I think that's a theme that is coming through during this chat. It's a good approach to being healthy and fit and just having that overall life where you're looking after your well-being. It's not about being rigid at all.
1: No. No one's got time for that, you know?
0: No. Give
1: yourself grace,
0: flow. You're doing great. You're doing better than you think you are overall. Well, that's one of my mantras. You're doing better than you think you are. <laughs>
1: we're we're zen right now. We're connected.
0: Yeah. So can you tell me what your current training regimen is like and if there's anything that you're currently working towards?
1: Yeah, of course. So it's interesting. I got COVID early on. It was October 2020. And prior to that, for man, probably close to four years, I was training. At a pretty rigorous level, I was doing my own programs, my power program, which is gym based primarily. And I would do five to six um, 45 minute to 60 minute power sessions every week, which is pretty full on, you know. Um, I did, I don't know, maybe one or two 10 minute hit sessions mixed in with that. I was very active. We like to hike and swim as a family. And I had time to recover, and it wasn't unhealthy for me to exercise at that level. However, I got COVID and I thought, oh man, I'm, it was actually quite worse than I ever thought it would be. And I remember thinking, okay, by the January challenge, I'm going to be back up to training how, what, what I would have called my normal. Right. And man, I was just humbled right out. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I could, it took me so much longer than I thought to build back up my stamina, cardio and strength wise. And then I kind of got to this place where I realized, whoa, 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 why was I doing this? And I realized, you know, I, I had leaned so much more in my mindfulness practices and my meditation to care for my health during that time. And I realized the point of all of this is to live my best life and be healthy and happy. And there is no need for me to be going that hard. And I actually, I don't think I want to get back up to doing five to six sessions a week. Doesn't serve me right now in my life. I'm busy. You know, my kids growing up, I want to spend more time with them. It's too hard on my body. I didn't have proper recovery time the same way. So since then, so which has now been a couple years, my new normal became three to four power sessions every week. And I almost removed all hit and did a lot of low intensity steady state. So I would go on a walk or walk on my treadmill. I would hike, swim, bike, do all those activities with friends and family. And on top of that, I was doing three to four of my power sessions and that became my new normal and something that I absolutely loved and enjoyed, right? So I did less and I felt better than ever. So I think just like we were saying and to your point, it's going to change and it's going to ebb and flow. But right now that's kind of where I'm at. As I mentioned, I I'm coming off of an injury. I broke my ankle skiing this season, early in the season. No. Um I had surgery in January and reconstructive surgery and it that healing process has also been deeply humbling and way harder than I thought. You know, I thought before that 3 to 4 weeks off of the exercise was difficult, but now I'm going on quite a bit longer than that of nothing and then very different types of training and my physical therapy has become in a huge sense my exercise and it's very different for me and it's very challenging mentally but when you are remembering that the point is to care for your health then you're able to take just as much pride in either your rest or your pt or your meditation as you might during other phases in going super hard in your your session in the gym so it's all relative right yeah so it's just about embracing where you are in life and one day at a time, doing one thing to care for yourself and your health. That's one of my mottos.
0: Love that. What's the one thing that you're going to do today or have done today? Um, One thing I'm going to do today
1: is meditate. I have actually not yet. I usually do it in the morning, but I won't be training. Um, I'm in Sydney here. I'm spending time with my PR manager and team who are incredible women that I haven't seen in a few years. So my workout time is going to be a Nice long dinner with them tonight when we're done. And then I'll do a meditation before bed, so.
0: Ooh, lovely. (laughs) Okay, so for my final question, I was wondering what are you working on next? What can we all look forward to seeing from you? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm truly on really a holistic level. What I'm working
1: on next personally is just being more present in my life, more present in my career. When I'm interacting with women, whether that's at a one-on-one training, at an event, in an interview like this, I just really want to be where I am. And I have this kind of new wealth of gratitude for all these experiences that kind of were just swept away for out of nowhere for a time, right? Um, Career-wise, I look forward to creating more content through the Sweat app and hoping to get to travel, finally doing some um, bigger boot camp style events throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, those are those are my big plans and goals. So,
0: and if you could leave our listeners with one message, what would that be? That it makes a difference
1: when you prioritize yourself and when you care for your health. Whether that's even if that's just 15 minutes a day, even if that's a mental shift, it does matter, and it actually does make a difference. And it's easy to feel overwhelmed in this world these days, and it's easy to be swallowed up in negativity, whether that's in general or towards yourself, but remembering that your efforts to care for your health, they do make a difference, I think is so exceptionally important because I believe that every single woman listening has a purpose and we're not going to be able to find or connect to that purpose if we are too busy feeling like we're not enough and telling ourselves that we don't measure up. You are so strong and powerful. You are exactly who you're meant to be. And so remember that the efforts you put in to care for yourself matters because it starts there. And when you have that love for yourself, it will spill over into your relationships and your career and all that you are and are meant to do.
0: This episode of Uninterrupted was hosted and produced by me, Lisa Gepilagin. For more from us, grab a copy of our latest issue with sweat trainer Kelsey Wells on the cover. Find it on newsstands or online via Apple News Plus. Visit us at womenshealth.com.au and connect with us on Instagram at womenshealthaus. See you next time. If you or someone you know needs support for an eating disorder or body image issues, contact the Butterfly Foundation on 1-800-334-673 or butterfly.org.au.